good. If you will, turn with me, because I've, I've, I mean, I'm telling you, during the past few months, I have began to re-look at the prophets, and the prophets speak so much to our time, so much to directly to some of the things that we are going through as a nation here in America. And I want to look at another prophet. This is a minor prophet. This is Haggai. So if you would turn to Haggai, if again, if you go to Matthew and start flipping, then you're going to get to Haggai pretty quickly. Uh, he's, a co- he's a few prophets in, and so turn with me there. You've got a Bible that you can access in the seat before you more than likely, or at least on that row. So if you would turn to Haggai chapter 1, we're going to read just a portion here of this text. And I want to draw some application this morning that I believe that God wants us to hear today. Notice these words here in Haggai chapter 1, and we're going to start with 15. On the 24th day of the month... In the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say... Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater Then the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the captain of the host of the Lord. And it's to you that we want to look this morning. By the power of the Holy Spirit that is in our midst... Would you reveal to us in our hearts, would you say to us some things this morning that we need to hear, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Powerful words from an obscure prophet for some of us, Haggai. 
And yet words that are not only for us, but that are spoken honestly to us. Well, the elephant in the room is this. Tuesday is a big day. Tuesday is election day. And it goes without saying that we must speak sometimes concerning things that we don't even like to bring up or talk about, namely politics. That dirty word that evokes so much emotion for us all in various ways. Or maybe evokes apathy. We've already given up. We just simply don't care anymore. Maybe we have become calloused to our political and national scene. The other day I was, um, well, yesterday you saw the pictures, right? We worked at Miss Bobby's house. Miss Bobby had a lot of leaves in her yard. And as we were raking these leaves, I was just tearing it up. You know what I mean? I had a, had a nice big rake. And I, I actually wish my rake was more like hers because it was really reaching out there and just grabbing everything and pulling it. And I was pumped and I was, you know, smiling, this sort of thing. And Carrie comes up she says, you know that raking leaves is futile, right? And, I was, and, I, and she goes, she kind of looks up like this at the tree above us and all the leaves were still there. And I was like, yes, yes, raking leaves is definitely futile. It's very true. I told her I was going to use that illustration to begin with. Voting may be like that. It may be an exercise in futility. Or maybe it's like walking through my garage, which I oftentimes clean, and yet somehow becomes an absolute disaster to where you really would be in danger of spraining your wrist, uh, your, your, your ankle, or, or spraining your ankle, or, or breaking your foot walking through my garage. It literally, I, this morning as I was jumping out, I, I was juking all over the place just to make sure I got out safely of my garage. It seems futile sometimes to clean up my garage. Do you ever feel like this? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's you then. Maybe it's you that is saying, you know what? This stuff with positive is just, I mean, this is just futility. And we would say with the writer of Ecclesiastes that this is really like chasing after the wind. We do it every four years, but things get worse. Things are not getting better. Even when our choice gets in there, oftentimes we are super disappointed. And now I don't know many people that I've talked to personally that would say they really have anyone representing them in Washington truly. And so we find ourselves here. We find ourselves in a pickle. We find ourselves in a conundrum. Seems as if the two representatives show to us different and varying levels of depravity and decadence and the decadence of our own disease. You see, the wound has been festering for quite some time now. Maybe you think things are worse than they've ever been, but the disease started many, many years ago. It wasn't eight years ago. It wasn't 16 years ago. It was long before this that we pushed God out of our lives. Not the government. Not the government. Out of our homes. It started with the breakdown of our marriages, of our families, in our personal lives. Cutting corners, our immorality, 
slid into things that we just sort of winked about, laughed about, said was progressive, said was more open, tolerant, and yet now is a festering wound that nobody wants to look at. It's a disease called sin. You see, the problem is not just political. In our world, we live in a highly politicized world that when you say certain things or you believe certain things, you immediately get put into political categories and labels. And there is so much polarity in politics that it seems like we can't even be friends. In other words, if you find out someone is voting for X or Y, there's anger that happens even toward friends. And what I'm saying this morning is I want to talk to you this morning pastorally and not politically. And there is a difference. Because you see, we (laughs) are a part of the church and the church is not politicized. The church will never be politicized because the church does not belong to a nation. The church is not subject to a nation. The church is made of the nations. And we have a different citizenship. One that is of the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of man. Jesus is very clear before Pilate. My kingdom is not of this earth. If it were, I would just go tell my disciples to stop concealing and go live. That's kind of a military term for open up. Da, 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 da. I know they didn't have guns, but you understand my point. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. My kingdom is not of this world. And our citizenship is not of this world because we have a different kind of of king, my friends. Brothers and sisters, we have a king that does not demand that others bow before him, but he bows before his disciples and washes their feet. He's not off chasing women, but rather seeing what widows and orphans he can serve. He is not out to make money for himself, but says that all things are God's. You see, we have a different kingdom and a different king that we answer to. And we will answer to him. We all will answer to him. Whether we remain silent in our national crisis or whether we become active, we will answer to God To that Jesus, that Job foresaw, my Redeemer, we will answer to him. He will stand upon the earth. And when he does, it's over. It's all over. No kingdom will stand before him. So Haggai. Haggai. Who is Haggai and what is he doing and why does he have a weird name? I can't answer all those questions, but... I can tell you what he's doing. And that is he's listening to God. He's listening to God and God gives him a word for the people. Now, Haggai lives in an interesting time 
in Israel's history. Uh, They were in a foreign land. They had started to rebuild the temple. This is post-exile. So you remember that Judah, the southern kingdom, is ripped from the land by the Babylonians, thrown into exile. Nobody ever comes back from exile except for God's people because he said they would. Seventy years roughly expires. God puts them back in the land. Cyrus the Great, if you know your history, the Persian, he comes in and he not only frees them and says, yeah, you can go back to your old land, but I'm willing to even help you pay for a new little temple to worship your God. What's his name? Yahweh, cool. Go build one. You remember Nehemiah is doing this, right? So they're under Persian rule, a foreign government, a foreign culture, a pagan culture. And trying to still be the people of God. So they go and they try to build the temple. They get started on it, you may remember, but they don't finish it. They lose interest in building God's house back. And you could hear that in Haggai's declaration this morning. They lo- they, they're at a loss for identity. They're in identity crisis as a nation. They're saying, who really are we? Can't we also say that in our current situation? Who really are we? What are we really promoting? What are we about? And they had put their own needs before God's needs. In other words, the real question here in Haggai is this. God is asking through the prophet, he says, what are you going to do, build your house or mine? You've been working on your house, you lost interest in mine. So what's it going to be? Are you going to make the sacrifice to get it done? Or still keep serving yourself? Friends, I think we can identify with Haggai. It feels like a foreign land. Our nation, once a Christian nation, once one nation under God, that's almost laughable. One nation? Yeah, right. You've seen the polarization recently? Under God? Being clapped and laughed off the stage of one of our party platforms? I don't think so. No, no, that time has passed. You're late to the show if you haven't seen it already. Welcome back from the moon. You say, but America has the most just, most moral, most wise, and most biblically based historical constitutional foundation in the world. And you'd be right. Just like ancient Israel did. You say, well, and America is one of the most religious countries in the world. You'd be right. Just like ancient Israel was. And the church is big and rich and free in America. Yes, just like ancient Israel was. You say, what's your point? My point is this. We have been a Christian nation, just like Israel was, but just like Israel, we will go into a time if we continue on this decadent, immoral experiment we're doing, we will be judged by God. It's not popular to talk about. Nobody likes to talk about it. 
It even sounds fundamentalist and backwoods to bring it up with civil people. God? Judge us? No, he's got to love. But doesn't love judge? Doesn't love call out for justice to be served? Try to do something to my little girl and you'll see very quickly that love does. God says, you are my child. And if I love you, I will discipline you. And if God doesn't discipline America, then he's a liar. We have a nation that literally has killed 60 million innocent children. How can God remain silent? Their blood cries for justice. You say abortion is a political thing. Man, you can't mention that kind of stuff in church. You don't know that conception is the point where a person becomes a person, no matter how small. Yes, I do. Because Jesus is the perfect person. And you just spoke it yourself. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's where his humanity begins. Not with birth. Not three months in. Not six months in. At the conception by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We have a nation that has now condoned sodomy. Look up the term. Not going to go into it here. It's not what you think, maybe. We have a nation that is becoming more and more hostile toward religious freedom of anybody. Fear has taken to business that used to be free to exercise their religion, which seems to be being flushed down the toilet. So what do we do? What do we say? What should we do? Should we even do anything? As Christians, do we even have a moral mandate to get involved? And the scripture says an overwhelming yes. In other words... The Bible says to seek the welfare of the city where you're at. Now when it says that, it actually is talking to people who are in exile. That's nuts. It's again in the prophets. And he says, seek the welfare of the city. For in the welfare of the city, you will find your welfare. In other words, we are called, right here at Harvest Point, we are called to this city. It's where you're living. It's where you are called to minister. You're called to give your life to the people of Huntsville, of Madison, of Athens. That's our job as Christians. We are to seek the welfare of the city, to be salt that preserves and light that exposes. But have you noticed the shadow that has fallen upon us? We are too afraid to even speak out. At work, in school, in church, God forbid. Haggai speaks out. (laughs) 
And Haggai says this, which I think is appropriate for our time. Be strong. Be strong. I can't help but think of Lord of the Rings. When things get bad, when things get dark, when we're surrounded by the enemy, when we're at the very gates of Mordor, the word comes, be strong. Be strong, my friends. Don't, this is not the time for weakness. Now, I'm not talking about being embittered. I'm not talking about being angry. That's the last thing we Christians do. We have something to be joyful about. We're a part of a kingdom that's not falling apart. Lift up your heads. Friends, it's not the time to go around moping. I don't have to mope because of what happens on Tuesday. Because my citizenship goes higher than the S-U-N, the sun. It goes all the way up to the S-O-N, the sun. I'm not living just for a puff of air. I'm living for the Spirit of God. And God, brothers and sisters, is in control. He never lost control. We lose control. He never loses control. That's good news. And our Facebook posts should represent that. Our heart attitude should represent joyfulness. Now look. I'm saying some tough things. I'm saying some words that are dirty words in our culture, such as abortion, such as gay marriage, such as gender misidentity. Things that are ridiculous and don't even make any sense. The crazies have taken over. But you know what? Even so, that's where Israel lived most of their life either under slavery or under the weight of Persia or Rome, even when Jesus came, they tried to pull him into politics. And he refused because he's a part of another kingdom. So we speak out on certain things, but not things like national defense, not things like the economy, not from a biblical perspective. Now, from a citizen perspective, have at it. Argue as much as you want. But the other things are moral, and that's where we got to be strong. We need to be strong morally in our own lives. Some of us get all bent out of shape, throw up on Facebook or social media on everybody, and yet we do nothing in our actual lives. God forbid. Right here at Harvest Point, we are growing something to share with our city. The place may be, America may be falling apart, so be it. The sky may be falling, some say. So be it. We're going to keep holding the line and doing good for our city. We're going to keep loving the people even as they go off the cliff. We love you. Have a nice trip. This is what Jeremiah did, wasn't it? You go back and read Jeremiah. If you're depressed, read Jeremiah. He had a tough ministry. No one was converted under his ministry. But you know what he did? He wept for the people, but he also just kept right on preaching. And he said, you know what? I I wish I could stop bringing bad news. He even tells me that. He said, said, look, even the dead gum kids in the house make fun of me because all I ever do is come preaching bad news. 
I'm a laughing stock. This is what he says. But he says, when I try to shut it up, it's like a fire in my bones. I have to speak it. And speak we must. Speak we must because guess what? Our hope doesn't reside in America. Thanks be to God. Those who represent us in Washington don't really represent us. There's only one representative in all the world who truly represents humanity. He's the last Adam. He is Jesus Christ. He's the Savior and the King of Kings. And He is our representative. He wasn't elected except for by the Father to be our representative. And that's who I'm getting behind. And we can talk and banter and argue and z- about who you're going to vote for. And, and look, I, hey, let's do it. But what I think is more important than that, more important than what happens on Tuesday, is what we do in our heart through the rest of the year. What we do in our hands. What are we doing with our hands? What are we doing with our mind? There are great gifts and abilities right here. What are we doing? Are we allowing the culture to press on us? We can shake off that. Here's what Wesley said. We began, we Methodists did, with three simple rules. First, do no harm. Second, do good. Third, stay in love with God. And they are still rules worth living by. Wesley had some... uh, He had some... uh, Words also for those who are going to vote. In his day, uh, he says this. I'm, and by the way, voting had just started. You know, all the other, up until the 1700s, um, nobody got to vote who was going to be in power. It was just the king. It was by birth. I'm talking about vote. I'll show you a vote. No, no, no. This was a new experiment. Here's what he says. He says, I met those of our society who had votes in the ensuing election and advised them. Notice, number one, to vote without fee or reward for the person they judged most worthy. Don't take a bribe. (laughs) Secondly, to speak no evil of the person they voted against. Everything falls silent, right? Let's just let those words sit upon us for just a second. You're like, I'm definitely not doing that. I might do the other two things, but not that one. Three. And to take care their spirits were not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. Don't become embittered because of politics. Don't lose friendships because of politics. As Leonard Skinner said a long time ago, Tuesday's gone with the wind. And so will every nation, no matter. There is no exemption. Just as sure as all of us will die, so too all nations will die. And that's okay. Because if a nation were able to do everything, it'd be God. And it's not. Wake up, my friends, and look beyond just this nation to the church, to Jesus, to the bride of Christ. As Chuck Colson said, who was 
arrested uh, in the Watergate scandal with Nixon. He was the hatchet man of Nixon. Went to prison in Alabama, actually, in Montgomery. After he got out of prison, he started a ministry uh, ministry called Prison Fellowship. He actually was converted to Christ, a big politician guy, in prison, and then gave the rest of his life to ministry to prison. He got out of politics and went to prison. Sounds like something Jesus would do. Here's what he said. He said, salvation will never come in Air Force One. But Justin read it earlier. Daniel speaks about it. Where salvation does come from is beyond the sun. On clouds of glory, it says, Daniel says, I saw one riding on clouds of glory. The ancient of days. Who, as Job said, will stand upon the earth. He already has once in disguise. Wrapped himself in flesh. Died for us. Resurrected for us. And will then come back at the end to gather those who have put their faith in him. Not in nations. The nations will rage, Psalm 2 says, and go against the sun. But Psalm 2's answer is very clear. Kiss the sun. Kiss the sun. He is our true king. There's much to be said. Got like... 30 papers up here. Can't say it all. So what I want to come down to is exactly what Haggai is saying. Be strong. Work for the Lord. Don't fear. And the promise at the end is this. Peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. The sky's not falling, my friends, because when the sky falls, that's when he's going to come to stand and it's going to be over. You know, in a play, it's over when the director comes out, right? No more acting. The director comes out, it's over. Can you pray that? Can you pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, like Revelation says? As a kid, that always made me nervous, you know, I'm like... God, I kind of want to be married one day. I don't know that I want you to come back. Maybe for you, you're like, I don't know that I'm ready. You know what? You can be ready. There's something greater than this life. This life is not all there is. Thanks be to God. He has more for us. You heard it in the reading today. Marriage, yeah, that's great. But it pictures our relationship to Jesus, which is greater. He is always the greater. Do you know that kind of joy? Do you have that kind of joy? We can't work for him if he's not with us. Is he with you? Are you doing that? Are you just doing life just as it comes to you? One day he'll shake the earth, the heavens. It's not today. There's still time today to make things right. To finish well. Even in the midst of a seeming chaos 
we can take comfort that the Calvary is on the way. That just as Elisha and his servant looked around and was surrounded, but then he looks again after Elisha prays for him and says, wow, there's more of them. There's more for us than of them. Friends, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying to you today. Look to Jesus Christ. He is the only king that will last forever, and he's good. That's the crazy thing. He is good. Do you know his goodness? Because today you can. We're going to be celebrating communion of all things. We're going to be celebrating communion today as part of our response. And I'm just wondering if you can pray in your own heart, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm wondering if anybody needs to repent because they have put their trust in kings and queens, in nations, in politics or whatever, in yourself. Today is the day of salvation. Do not delay, for he is here to save. There's peace in Christ that surpasses all understanding, and it can be yours. Amen.